0: Today I'm going to pray a prayer and then we're going to talk about the three realms of prayer, the three realms of prayer. And God is going to uh, going to give you a lot of insight through all of this teaching, but I think on the last one it's going to be like it's going to be so uh, such a huge blessing. So Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to teach and mentor these amazing God uh, breathed, Ordained women of God, I just thank you for every one of them. I thank you for every one of them, Lord, and I ask you to anoint my voice and anoint this teaching and let it just sink in their spirits, and let it let it be everything they need for tonight. And I thank you, Lord, this week as they go through musing on what was taught, that you begin to lead them and guide them even deeper in all three realms of prayer. We give you the praise, the glory. And the honor. And everybody say amen. amen. Okay, the first realm of prayer we're going to talk about is God. Is that God is our Abba Father. And we approach God in prayer first as Abba Father. We approach God in prayer first as Abba Father. That is the first realm of prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. When the disciples said, "Teach us how to pray," the first thing he said is, "You must understand that God is your Abba Father, and you pray to Him as Abba Father." So I'm going to have Michelle read uh, John three sixteen and Ephesians three sixteen through
1: eighteen. Okay. John three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him." Shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then, just a second, let me get to Ephesians. Ephesians three. Now we're going to read Ephesians three sixteen through eighteen. Okay, that's okay. Ephesians three sixteen through eighteen says, "I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith." And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, May have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep his, uh, is the love of Christ. Okay, so when you
0: think of a father, you think of someone. Now, granted, there are many of people that had earthly fathers that didn't fit this bill. But when we think of God the Father, and we even think of a good father on earth, we think of someone that loves us unconditionally, that we can come to with our needs, and we also think of an authority figure who will discipline us and correct us, but there's the balance between the Abba and the authority. The Abba and the authority. And a good father will love you unconditionally, will take care of you, will provide for you, but a good father will also correct you and discipline you because that's going to be good for you down the road. If I have a child and I only spoil the child and only give the child everything they want, but I never discipline the child, then somebody else is going to have a problem when that child grows up. But if I discipline the child all the time and I'm very, very strict, but I never show the child any love, then the, the, then the child has no concept of, Of what a true father does. A father not only brings love and acceptance. But he brings discipline as well. So let's go to Matthew 6 and 9. And let's talk about. The the disciples are saying. Teach us how to pray. And like I said last week. To me that was a really crazy prayer. (laughs) A crazy question. Because they've been watching God pray. But what they were saying is. We're seeing that there's more to this. Than just words, we're seeing that you have protocols and you have there's there's things we must we must understand and there's authorities that you walk in in different prayers and we need to understand it. So let's read that Matthew six and nine.
1: Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. So he said start with our Father in heaven.
0: And when we pray our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, here as in here as it is in heaven. Okay, let's go to Romans. Did I give you Romans? Mm-hmm. Let's go to Romans eight, fifteen, sixteen, and
1: seventeen. Fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. Okay. okay. Uh, the Spirit you received does not make you slaves. So that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Mm -hmm. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory.
0: Okay, so he's talking about the facets of God the Father. So we're, we've been, we have a good father. He's a good, good father because he not only meets our needs and takes care of us, but he also disciplines us and corrects us, but he's also made us joint heirs with Christ. So we're not, we're not the evil stepchildren. <laughs> we're not the evil stepchildren that gets the crumbs from the tables we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Okay, when you go to Hebrews, we're still talking about God the Father, approaching God as Father. When you go to Hebrews 12:3 through 11, this basically says a good father will discipline, correct, rebuke. And he will also God is love and God so God is love and provision and encouragement, but he's also Authority, discipline, and rebuke. That's a good father. There's a balance there. If you get all love, you're going to be unruly, and you're going to lose your mind. If you get all discipline, you become a religious crazy person, and you have no mercy on anybody. But God wants us to see both sides and both facets, and he says, I'm your father. And you know, I had a really, when my father sobered up, My first few years, my mother and father were alcoholics. But when my father sobered up, he was a good father. He was a father that would meet my needs, but he would also correct me and discipline me so that I could grow up to be a good person and have balance in my life. So that's God the Father. He said, when you come to me, come to me as father. That's the first mystery. The second realm and mystery is friend. God wants us to see him as our friend. He he wants us to come to him as a friend and to know him as a friend. And when you do intercessory prayer, and you can write this down if you want to, when you do intercessory prayer and you're praying for someone else, you're praying as a friend of God. You're praying as a friend of God, and you're praying for a friend to a friend. So I'm praying for a friend. To a friend. That's what intercessory prayer is. So he says in John 15. 14 through 15. I want you to read that. Do you have that? It again. It's, oh, you know what? I can I can give the summation. Okay. Uh, John 15. You might want to just write the scripture text. And go back and read it. 14 through 15. You are my friend. If you do whatever I command you. He said if you... If you're really my friend, you're going you're to want to love me and follow my ways. He said, no longer do I call you servants. He said, I'm not calling you a servant anymore. For a servant does not know what his master's doing. If you're my employee or you're somebody that works, on, you don't know what I'm doing all day. I don't report to you, okay? But if you are my friend, you can probably ask me any question you want to ask he says i will um no longer do i call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing for i have called you friends for all the things i have heard from my father i make known to you and so what jesus was saying is because i'm your friend i tell you secrets And so what happens is when we pray and we enter into a place of intercessory prayer, we are a friend of God. He is a friend of ours, and he reveals his secrets. You tell secrets to your friends. And that's why you'll hear a lot of times prayer warriors, God will whisper things that are going to happen before they happen. He'll whisper prophetic words. He'll whisper words of knowledge. He'll tell people ahead of time because they're a friend of God. And they know that God is their friend and they want to be a friend of God. And God tells his friends what he's doing. Uh, Matthew 13, 10, and 11, and you can just write it down, it speaks of parables. It speaks of Parables. If you're not muted, take the time to mute yourself. And and the disciples ask, um, they asked Jesus, why do you speak in parables when you talk to the to the crowds? He says, because I want he said basically what he was saying is he says, the things of the spirit are spiritually discerned. And he said, I speak in parables. They were simple parables, but they had deep mysteries. He said, I speak in parables because People have to really love me and want me for the right reason. I want their motives to be right. And I, I'll speak in a parable and they'll understand. But for the ones that their motives are not right, they, it'll go right over their head. So there, there's mysteries in prayer. And the first mystery, which is pretty plain, but even the sim, there's people that miss it, is we speak to God the Father. The second mystery is we become a friend of God and we speak to God our friend. Abraham was a friend of God. In Genesis 18, 16 through 32, we know that Abraham was a, uh, was, had went one way and Lot went another. And Lot was headed for Sodom and Gomorrah. And he had gotten into Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord decided to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, you know what? I, I can't do this without telling my friend. He said, I, I can't do this. And let me tell you why God tells intercessors things. He wants us to pray that, that mercy will be shown. Mm-hmm. God reveals many times disastrous things to his friends so that they will intercede on behalf of people. Because really, God desires mercy more than judgment. So he said, You know what? I got to go tell my friend. And so he runs and he tells. Abraham, he tells Abraham, he says, uh, the sin is so wicked in Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm going to s- destroy it. And Abraham says, oh, 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 he begins to intercede. Remember, I've got my hand on my friend, and i got my hand on the friend of friends. God is the ultimate friend. And so he takes that intercessory place, and he says, God, if there's 50 people, mm-hmm. if there's 50 people, will you spare the city? God said, Yeah, I'll spare the city. And they went and looked, and there were not 50 people. And then, God, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, if there's ten, finally, no, there wasn't even 10. He said, I can't spare the city. And and many people say if he would have kept asking all the way to one, no, he wouldn't have, because in in the in the Hebrew culture, it takes 10 men to make a government or to, to make a church. And because there wasn't 10. It would have been going against his own law. So he had to tell him to run out of there. But he would have saved the city because Abraham was an intercessor. He was a friend of Lot, and he was a friend of God. We see where Moses did the same thing. Moses 33 and 11, God was tired of the children of Israel and all their doubting. And they had built a golden calf while he was up on top of the mountain. And he was done and he was ready to wipe them out. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to kill them, but I'm not going with you. I'm done. And God said, if you ain't, go-, and Moses said, God, if you ain't going, I ain't going. These are your people. And we're not doing it without you. And so once again, a friend got in the middle uh, and became a friend of God. And Moses became the intercessor and turned the hand of God so that a whole nation could be saved. So see, we know God is God the Father, but we also know God is God the friend. And when we pray for other people, we take on that role. Last but not least, I want to talk about God God, the righteous judge God the righteous judge now I wrote this down praying in the courts of heaven and I want you to you can just write down praying in the courts of heaven God the righteous judge I thought how many how many have had prayers that you have prayed for years that have not been answered just not been answered could it be the enemy has a legal right to afflict you? To steal, kill, and destroy. Ultimately to destroy your destiny. Because of an iniquity in the bloodline, a legal accusation against the spirit. We're going to talk about the courts of heaven. And we're going to talk about, there's three, there's basically sin, sin, and that is a motive of the heart when we decide in our heart that we're sinning you know we think of we think the wrong things we you sin in your heart before you act it out okay you sin in your heart before you act it out so there's sin and then there's transgression the actual acting out of sin that will the, uh, both those will stop prayers from being answered you got to legally close those doors you got to legally close those doors. you got to repent of sin. You've got to repent of a uh, transgression. But there's, there's another thing called iniquity in the bloodline. And a lot of times people of God that are not sinning, they've, they've repented of all their sin, they're not transgressing anymore, they, they're living godly lifestyles, have certain areas where they don't get their, their prayers answered. And ninety nine percent percent of the time this is an iniquity in the bloodline that has not been addressed legally in the courts of heaven you're dealing with something you don't even know or maybe you know it and you haven't understood the ramifications of it Um, I know that every one of you are destined every one of you have a destiny on your life to do great exploits for God, to live in the abundance of his provision, to walk out the Abrahamic blessing, but we've got to make sure that the enemy has no legal right to mess with you. The, le- the enemy can't just go around and just do whatever he has to do, wants to do to a child of God. It just does not work like that. But he can afflict you if he has found a legal open door in Luke 18 starting at verse 1 it's the parable of the persistent widow and I want this is where the righteous judge comes into full play then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. The first thing I want you to understand is he said, always pray and don't give up. He's What he's saying is keep praying and I will unlock the key, whether it's God the Father or you're to intercede as the friend or you're to go to the righteous judge. I will unlock the door for you to get your answer. Men al- must always pray. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused her. But finally he said to himself, even though, now I want you to take note of this, even though, I don't fear God or care what people think. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come back and attack me and drive me nuts is basically what it's saying. And the Lord said, now this is very important that you take note of what God said. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God... Bring about justice for his chosen ones, for his, for his daughters, for his sons, who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that you get justice and get it quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The parable starts out that men ought always to pray. That's the first thing he's saying to us. In this mystery is I want you to live a lifestyle of prayer. I want you to do it so much that you know what you're supposed to do, that you instinctively feel my spirit and you can hear my voice and not lose heart. Here in this parable, the Lord is unlocking another mystery, another realm of prayer that can get us breakthrough and answers when the other two are not yielding fruit. The scripture is unlocking another facet of our God. All right, now I want to go back before I give you all of this. and I, I, want to, I want to rehearse it. Let's go back to God the Father. God the Father, Jesus said a father gives bread, fish, and eggs. This speaks of our own needs, our own desires. When I approach God for my own needs, I am appealing to his fatherhood. Okay, going back to the next realm, which is intercessor, our friend. The parable speaks of that friend calling the friend. I'm the person in the middle as an intercessor for the needs of my friend. I approach God as a friend for the needs of others. So when we intercede for a nation, we are a friend of our nation and a friend of our God. And we're the in-between person saying, God, hear my prayer on behalf of this nation. God, hear my prayer on behalf of my child. God, hear my prayer on behalf of my friend. I approach God as a friend for the needs of others. That's called an intercessor. The last dimension, we approach God as the righteous judge when we're dealing with an adversary. And let me tell you what the word adversary means. Adversary means one, especially in the two scriptures that we're talking about, means one who brings A lawsuit the enemy looks for a legal entry into your life and he either can get there through your own sin through your own transgression that you haven't dealt with or he can get there through a bloodline curse which is called an iniquity he can't just at will wreak havoc in your life he has to have entrance When Jesus taught on prayer, he never put it on a battlefield. Now, he, there are places in the Bible where he talked about putting on the full armor of God. And, that, and, and that's true. But when Jesus taught on prayer, he didn't talk about a battlefield. He put it in a courtroom. In Revelation 19 and 11, he says he will come to, this is God speaking, he will come to judge and make war. You never go to war until you've gone to the courtroom to judge. You get a verdict before you make war, and we don't fight our wars; God does. But we've got to go. Many times we've got to go to the courtroom of heaven to get a verdict, to get a stay from the Lord, to to close up a door. If you try to go to war before you've been to the heavens courtroom, you will you will be backlashed against because you've not closed up the legal right of the enemy. God closes it, but you've got to ask God to help you, show you what it is. The enemy can only do what he does if he has found a legal right to do it. Hear me out, ladies. You can't bind a demon and keep it from operating until the legal right has been taken away. When we go to do sozo, when, it, when you take someone through deliverance and freedom, the first thing you do is they start repenting. You start taking them through and asking them questions. And you watch as the Spirit of God moves on them. And many times they'll manifest. And then you're able to see where they need to repent about something. And then many times it goes to a bloodline curse that they have to repent of before you can ever cast the demon out. There has to be repentance. There has to be acknowledgement. You have to follow proper protocol. We are dealing with the king of kings, the lord of lords, the righteous judge. You have to follow God's protocol. Paul said, I'm looking at your order in the spirit. There is order in the spirit realm. And we as intercessors must understand how God's order works. The word adversary in Luke 18 means one who brings a lawsuit. Antidicos, In 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, antidicos, same word, who has a right to bring a lawsuit. In other words, he's looking. He's looking for a place to bring a lawsuit. He cannot do harm at will. He has to have a legal entrance or right to get into your life. I'm going to give you my own example. i got a couple. I'm give you my own example. I didn't tell all of this on Sunday morning because it's taped and I didn't want the whole world, you know, I don't like dragging all my stuff out for the whole world, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story, and it's a true story, uh, how I opened my family up for attack through, through uh, self-will and disobedience. And then God began to speak to me. What was going on? And I began to get knowledge and revelation in this. Um, In 2009, uh, Pastor Callie got married very young, uh, in church, in a Pentecostal setting. My husband and I went through a divorce about 13 years, 14 years into our marriage. It was actually finalized. That church went through a real bad situation where it split up, and a whole lot of couples got messed up. And just, there was a lot of fallout from that church. And I'm not blaming the church because, uh, but there was just a lot of fallout. Bottom line is we're all responsible for our own actions. But I will tell you that there was a lot of things that happened to a lot of different families, and we were part of the fallout. So we ended up divorcing, and I got out of church for a while, for about a year. And um, I was very disappointed, and I'm not going to go into all that detail, but I got pregnant with my baby girl out of wedlock. And then because I'd only known church and only known Mary, you know, you don't let a baby be born out of wedlock. I married my fifth baby's daddy, and that was literally a match made in hell. It should have never happened, but it was very short-lived, and we divorced, and I got back in church, and I was single for many years. I was single from the time I was 34 to the time I was 50. I did not date a soul. I raised my children, went to church, and was the best mama I could be. Perfect mother, no, but the best mama I could be. I helped a couple of my friends start churches. I only ever wanted to be a couple of things in life. Uh, before I got saved, I wanted to be in country music, and then after I got saved, I wanted to do the work of the ministry. And once that. Kind of fell apart. I really didn't know what I was going to do, but I went into the corporate world to be able to take care of my kids. And I just laid the thought down of ever doing ministry again. I, it, just did, it was just done in my mind. So I helped some other people start churches. And I'm, the Lord asked me to stay single until my kids were grown, and I said yes, and I obeyed that, and I spent many years helping other people start churches and raising my kids. In in 2006, no, I'm sorry, 2002, actually in in 2000, God began to speak to me that me and Todd and Cindy were supposed to start a church in Baytown, Texas. And I knew God was speaking, and I would come home and intercede in prayer. I've been a prayer warrior my whole life. And I told my sister and brother-in-law what I heard God say, and they laughed at me and said, no, we don't. We don't like to talk. We do music. We don't want to start a church. I knew I heard God's, wo- God's voice. We later did start a church in 2002. I never planned on remarrying again. Never thought about it. It never entered my brain. I was very happy. We were doing the work of God. We had started the church. I was still working in the corporate world. And in 2000, we started the church in 2002. In 2006, I went full-time into the ministry in 2009, a man walked into our church. When I say I lost my breath, y'all could laugh at Pastor Kelly, but it was the first man I ever noticed literally, really my, the first man I ever loved in my whole life because my first marriage was an arranged marriage. The second marriage, because we had arranged marriages in the church, Pastor Todd and Cindy worked out, mine didn't. And then my second marriage was just, I just did it because I was pregnant. So this man walks in, and I end up marrying this man. Uh, He got saved, and I ended up marrying him. But my sister did not feel good about it. She felt like something was wrong with him. And she couldn't put her finger on it and I'd had a prophet tell me that was my husband. I think the prophet saw what I was going to do by the spirit, but was, you know, that's why you you need to be careful when prophets tell you to do things that are against the authority in your life. Nevertheless, I married the man. It was a it was a match that was so hard. As much as I loved him, he didn't want me to do ministry. It just it was very hard. And I noticed because I was self-willed. I wanted it. I wanted it, and I, I had all the legal reasons why I could. He was in church. I had a prophetic word. I, I, I legalized it, and I did not listen to my sister. I did not listen. I wanted what I wanted. After I married him, things began to happen to my children. My, my oldest son... Who, ha- who literally had a million-dollar business at 17 years old, started messing with drugs, with prescription drugs, and took a detour that you can't even imagine. My oldest daughter started messing with alcohol. My middle daughter went through a divorce, and her husband went back to drugs because he had been delivered from them. I started seeing the enemy wreak havoc in my life. And I could not, and I was interceding and praying. And by this point, me and this man it came to a, a, a head where he told me that, you know, the only way we were going to stay together is for me to walk away from the ministry and only see my children. I could see them once every three months, and I could talk to them once a month. I mean, it, it just got crazy. And that's when I came to my senses. And I... I didn't divorce him. I said, I'll go back home. I kept my house in the city. I said, I'll go back home, and when we go get counseling, we can put this back together, but we're at an impasse. I'm not going to not see my children. So I went back home, and a few weeks later, he filed for divorce. And then God began to show me that that self-willed personality of mine and that independent spirit of mine. Now, you're talking a woman – who served God for years and who had been pastoring for years, who had a prayer life. But I let self-will and independence and and an iniquity that was in my bloodline not be dealt with, and it caused me to detour and disobey God. And then it opened up my whole, everything I had authority over started getting affected. So I started repenting after I... Got off by myself. I started repenting. I said, God, forgive me of my disobedience. Forgive me of my self-will. I ask you to wash it from my bloodline. I began to deal with it in the courts of heaven. And I've watched over the last few years, and my daughter was the last piece, God put everything back together. But I had to repent for the iniquity that I had allowed to, to live in my bloodline that was would have completely destroyed my destiny. My son got off the drugs, got off, is completely whole. My daughter ended up remarrying to a good man. My oldest daughter is now uh, nine months sober, and she's got a call of God on her life like you can't even imagine. And God has put it all back together because I was willing to not just, it's one thing to repent of a sin, And to repent of a transgression, we got to do that. But there was a bloodline iniquity in my my family of independence and self-will and pride. And when I repented of that thing and shut the door, then things in my own life began to start fixing. Now, I'm going to take some time. And I'm going to read you a court of heaven prayer because many times when we pray and take people through the courts of heaven, many people are depressed. And I'd like for you to, uh, on the chat box, if you would, if you fight any, we're going to use depression as to what we're going to pray for today. If you fight any kind of depression, anxiety, fear, I want you to put it in the chat box. Yes, I do. Or you have someone in your family that does. I want you to put it in the chat box. Because we're going to pray a courtroom prayer today and I'm going to show you how this is done, that you don't have to pray exactly like Pastor Kelly prays that this is going to be pretty thorough because I want to cover every base. We're going to talk more about this. Uh, when you start talking about prayer, this is a huge, huge subject. but these are the three prayers that will really, really help you. You understand I go to God the Father for my needs. I intercede for others and even for my family sometimes as an intercessor. But when things are not getting answered that I have prayed for years, I'm probably dealing with an adversary and an iniquity in the bloodline. And you've got to begin to ask Holy Spirit to show you what that is. For me, he showed me that there was pride, arrogance, self-will, and independence that had never been conquered. And he gave me example, example, example in my bloodline. And when I begin to repent, not only in my life, but for my ancestors all the way back to Adam and Eve, boom, that thing shut up. And victory started happening in my family. Okay, so we're going to pray for depression today. Can somebody look at the chat box? Tell me how the chat box looks. If anybody needs, because I really want to pray for you too. Um, if you've had problems, with depression, I want to know. I'm not going to go out of here and tell a soul. This is between uh, you and God and me. Okay. Okay. So we're going to go to the court, courts of heaven. Prayer. I want you to close your eyes. Make sure your phone is on, your uh, computer's on mute. And I want you to repeat after me. And then you can go back and read this off. And you can use this prayer for any type of iniquity that God reveals to you. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you taught us that we can approach the Father. So just repeat after me. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Father, for being my Abba Father that loves me and meets all my needs. I thank you for the revelation that you are my Father. Thank you that you are my friend that you share your secrets with me and that more and more you're wanting to unveil your secrets so that when I pray, things can be shifted even in the realm of the Spirit. We thank you for that, Lord. We also want to thank you that you are our judge. Thank you, Lord, that when Jesus died on the cross, that the greatest legal transaction of history was made. I am coming before you as my judge. Based on that transaction, based on that transaction, I come before you by the blood and the body of Jesus That has made me righteous. So I come to stand before you. In your righteousness. Lord any case. That the accuser has against me. And against my family. I want to come. And I want to repent. I ask that any sin. Any impure motive. Sin, remember, any sin, any impure motive, any wrong motive is connected to offerings. And when I say offering, I'm not always talking about money we gave to God or time we gave to God, but even offerings to the enemy, because when we sin, we make an altar to the enemy. Any wrong motive is connected to offerings. I repent of, I want to bring an offering and righteousness. So I'm making that. So I'm asking that any offering that has been out of a wrong motive. That its sound would be annulled in the courts of heaven. So it cannot be used to build a case against me or my family. Lord, let my motive be pure. Let me love and be loved by you. Lord, I also repent for any and every transgression. That's where you actually walked out the sin. See, when you think about sin, is conceived in the heart, mind, motives, but transgression is actually walking it out. Lord, I also repent for any and every transgression, every act of rebellion against you. For my heart... From my heart or any activity that was rebellious. Any, any heart rebellion or a- activity that was rebellious. I repent. I repent and ask for the blood to, of Jesus to cleanse me. I ask for every bit of shame connected to that transgression to be removed by the blood of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to cleanse me right now in Jesus' name. Now I want to ask you a question and I want you to close your eyes and get before the Lord. Ask the Lord to show you anything concerning motives, which is sin in the heart, or transgressions, which is actually walking out the sin, that you may need to ask for forgiveness for. Tell the Lord and ask that it be wiped out and that Jesus' blood be applied. So I'm going to give you a minute to do that personally. Just say, Lord. And it, listen, the other day I was doing this again, and God remind, reminded me of something I did at 32. And it may have, you, if I told you, you'd say that's little, but it's what he reminded me of, and I repented of it. Anything God shows you, just repent. So ask the blood of Jesus to be applied and to wash it out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to feel different when you finish this prayer. You're going to feel different. I've had people say things left their body. You're going to feel different. You're going to operate under the blessing of God. Okay, now I want you to repeat after me again. Lord Jesus, even as I come before the courts, I repent for the iniquity of my bloodline. By faith, I open my bloodline and ask that any place in my bloodline that the enemy has been using as a legal right to operate against me or my loved ones with depression, because that's what we're going after today. You can put anything in that box. I ask that you cleanse my bloodline on both sides of my family all the way back to Adam and Eve. Cleanse my bloodline on both sides of my family, all the way back to Adam and Eve. I want to ask that there be that there would be revelation. Give me revelation. That according to Philippians three fifteen, if there be anything that you would reveal it to me right now. If there's anything in my bloodline that I don't even have knowledge of, it's not a sin I committed. It's not a transgression I committed. Like there was a man that suffered with depression, and some people took him through Sozo. And somebody said, there was child, uh, said I believe there was child sacrifice in your family. He said, I can't remember anything that I know of like that, and I sure haven't. And, but the minute he repented of it, he got free of depression and it never came back. So ask the Lord if there's anything in my bloodline that is causing me pain over and over again, reveal it to me. Don't stress. Just rest in the Lord. He loves you. He wants you to be over, He wants you to be an overcomer. He wants you to be free more than you want to be free. This is not, this does not have to be a striving. Just gently ask the Lord. If there be anything that you would reveal it, even to me by your spirit, reveal anything that was done. By me or my family that I may not even have knowledge of. I stand and ask forgiveness of things I don't even have knowledge of in my family, Lord. Because you know in in thousands and thousands of years of bloodlines, there's people that did sins. And we repent. I stand and ask for forgiveness. I ask you to forgive any covenant that was made with my family with demonic powers back through my family, all the way to Adam and Eve. Anything that was done with an evil demonic covenant in my family, all the way back to Adam and Eve, we ask for forgiveness. I want to say before you, Lord, that I only want to serve you. I only want to serve you. I want to say that me and my bloodline, we belong to you. I want to say that I divorce myself myself from every covenant with demon powers and other gods. And I decree with Joshua that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let the blood of Jesus annul every covenant and let the blood speak a better word over me and my family. The word that you called me to from the day I was conceived in my mother's womb. I thank you, Lord, that I will live out my destiny in you. And so will my family and everyone that I, that, that I have any authority over. Thank you, Jesus. Now, ladies. I want you to go back when you get this and you write this down. You can throw anything into that. We prayed for depression today, but you can throw anything in that. Now, do we need to go to the courtroom for everything in our life? No. We go to God the Father. We intercede. But this is when something has been going on forever and you need breakthrough. We'll talk more about this as we go deeper and deeper into prayer. I want you to t- type in the chat box, how many of you has this helped today? Type in the chat box and let me know if this is something that, that you feel like is really going to help you. Good. 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 Good, good, good. 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 So good. Good, good, good. This makes this makes me really happy. All right, it was it was life changing for me. It was life changing for me. And I'm telling you, ladies, hear me. God wants you to have the full inheritance of His promises. He is a good, good Father. Okay, that prayer that I just prayed. You're going to get a copy of the whole video. The, the, the Zoom video, you'll get that tomorrow. And you can go back and listen to it and write it down. We can also, can I have, you know what? I can have Pat email you this. Pat, can you email him this too? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so we will email you a copy of this as well as the video. And you can put, you can pray for anything in there. We I love you so much. I'm praying for every one of you. I pray every week for you. And I ask God to move on your behalf. Is there anybody that wants to ask me a question? If you do, if you'll just type it in, we're looking. If you want to ask a question, type it in. Y'all see any questions? Okay. What time? What was the last one? I didn't see that one. I saw a question next week it'll be next Tuesday me and Pastor Cindy next Tuesday um we'll be back home so Pastor Cindy was coming with me but we had a funeral at the church and so she had to stay back and so you just got me this week but somebody just asked a question but it went off how do you know something uh you can do it with your kids for sure yeah there's nothing wrong with you doing it If you do it with yourself first and then lead your children through it. Yeah, for sure. Hey, people are wanting to know how you met Pastor Bob. Oh, how? <laughs> Okay. There's a lot of those questions. Tell them. Okay. Well, okay. Pastor Kelly never planned on remarrying again because this was like, the, I'm done. I'm done, done. Uh, I knew Pastor Bob for a long time. Uh, funny part is I didn't really like Bob. I mean, I loved him as a pastor, but I loved his wife, but I tolerated Pastor Bob. But not because he's not a good person. He's just kind of a black and white guy, and so he's not warm and fuzzy. He's not a real warm and fuzzy guy, and his wife was real sweet, easygoing. She was our children's pastor, and Pastor Bob helped her a lot. with They did children's ministry. So they've been in our church for 10 years, and then past, uh, his wife died of cancer. And about six months after his wife died, my sister said, you need, well, first of all, there was a whole group of people, and I'd gained like 50 or 60 pounds. And, you know, that's another thing Pastor Bob will just tell you. Like he looked at me one day and said, you look like you've gained a lot of weight. You need to start walking. You know, he's just that kind of guy. He'll tell you just just what he thinks. Oh, God help us. It's a miracle I didn't slap him. And so... Uh, I said, I I basically, he said, why don't you walk with me? He wasn't interested in me for a girlfriend, and I wasn't interested in him. And uh, my sister said though, she was worried about Bob because she thought Bob, Bob was in the grief stage. And she said, Callie, really, I am concerned about Bob. Go walk with him. You need to lose some weight, and I'm concerned Bob needs some encouragement. So I started walking with Bob once a week. We would meet in a park and we would walk and we started talking. And within six months of that, we became boyfriend and girlfriend. So we started dating about a year after his wife passed. And we had planned to get married in July of 2020, but we ended up getting married in March because the pandemic happened and Pastor Bob was afraid he wasn't going to get to see me anymore. So we got married a little earlier. But I found out that the grumpy old man was really sweet. And he had a heart of gold, <laughs> and I fell in love with him. And he's, you know, he was married 37 years, only one woman. He took care of her until her death. And I'm a very lucky, blessed woman. So we haven't been married long. We just made two years, just made two years of marriage. So he's my covenant husband. So I w- I, it was a gift from the Lord. Anybody else got any questions? Yeah, we'll we'll cover that in another in another session before it's all over. Basically it's just, you know, it's just what it is. I break Lord, I ask you by the blood of Jesus to break every soul tie and you put the name in. Yeah. It's just, it's just that simple. And sometimes you have to do it more than once. I mean I, I had to do it more than once with my last husband because I was so heartbroken and I before Bob, I I you know, I had to do it more than once. That's not the end of the world. But we'll talk more about it. We're gonna also go back to the Lord's Prayer next week when I'm with Pastor Cindy, because she's gonna do a lot of that teaching. And um uh, but you know, just understanding the principle I gave you today is huge. It's a huge help. And then make sure how uh, let me Go on and get in the box and tell. How many of you are there? Any of you? Let me just say it like this: Are any of you that are not uh, don't have your prayer language? You need your prayer language. When we can even t- teach on prayer language at the end, because the prayer language is where is when God starts praying through you when the Holy Spirit prays through you, it prays perfect every time. So we really need our prayer language because that just uh, the Holy Spirit can just pray perfectly and can can approach every situation with perfection. Does that make sense? Lord, I just thank you for these ladies. I thank you for everyone on this broadcast. I declare that they're blessed. They're highly favored. I declare that they hear your voice and they hear it clearly. I declare that no weapon formed against them will prosper. I declare that every bloodline Every bloodline, curse, and iniquity is wiped out yes. in the name of Jesus. I declare they hear your voice and your voice only. I declare they're obedient, they repent, they're a repenting people, they're an obedient people, and they're lovers of your presence. I thank you, God, that they're going to yield to the presence of God. When God says to them, I want you to go and pray. I want you to go spend some time with me. I'm calling you away to a time of intercession or prayer. Prayer for a friend. Prayer to your father. or, Or prayer to the righteous judge. In Jesus' name, I bless every one of you. What time is it, guys? We we love you so much. I'll see you next Tuesday. I'll be back home. I'll see you with uh, Pastor Cindy. And uh, you know, email me and let me know when you get this. How thing you know? What you're liking? What's blessing you? And then any questions you have, if you'll email back uh, Miss Paddle, tell me what they are, and we'll try to address them. God bless you, and I love you. We'll see you next next week.